The hallway was dark and Michael had to step over his sleeping body. It was clear that either someone hadn't made it back home or the landlord had rented a place that didn't exist or was already occupied. Michael was willing to bet a full week's wage that it was the second. Michael had learned quickly that the landlords in America were no different than those back home. Most were crooks, only concerned with the renters when they didn't pay. He stepped down off the porch and onto the sidewalk. Once he stepped down onto the sidewalk, the smell of the street hit his nose hard. The wonderful scent coming from the bakery and the women cooking in the neighborhood, mixing with horse dung, garbage, and the human waste that people still threw out their windows. Everything from the city flowed downhill, and they were near the bottom of the hill. Michael curled his hand in frustration. He had left Ireland to find a better life, yet he felt worse off. At least in Ireland there was green grass. The only thing that kept him going was Katie and the kids. He swore that he would give them a better life no matter what it cost. Soon he was at the dock waiting with all the other workers for the jobs to be given out. Finally, his and Toby's names were called. He and Toby would be loading a rail car. By now, Michael was used to working with Toby. In fact, he had turned down the opportunity to work with someone else. He appreciated how Toby worked. He was quiet, strong, and did the job without a lot of complaining. The first time Toby had removed his shirt, Michael was initially shocked. Toby's back was covered with multiple whip marks. Michael quickly closed his mouth when Toby looked at him with his piercing brown eyes. Come on, let's us start loading before it gets really hot. Michael picked up one side of the crate and Toby the other and they placed it onto the cart. They kept doing that all morning. Crate after crate went into the cart. Finally, it was time for lunch. They sat down and leaned against the crates. Michael started eating a cold meat pie that Katie had made and Toby the sandwich his wife Autumn had made. He wiped his hand across his mouth. I got them before my voice had deepened. Mr. James said I sassed him. He was going to break me. He said that's what you do with an untamed animal. You break them. Do I look like an animal to you? Toby said, looking at Michael. Michael slowly shook his head no. In his head he was suddenly embarrassed, realizing someone's life had been much worse than his. He liked Toby. In fact, in many ways he admired him. There was, But there were just too many of them, and they were willing to work for less than nothing. More of them meant fewer jobs for the Irish. Blacks and Irish were completing for the same jobs, and this fact was used to pit the two groups against each other, keeping wages low and hours long. Fights between the two groups happened almost daily, and lynches were common occurrences. Lunch was soon over, and to Michael and Toby got up and started packing boxes again. Someone else would have to solve the race problem, Michael thought. He just wanted to feed his family. One afternoon, a couple of months later, Michael was sitting with his back against the dock waiting for Toby to get back from break. Michael O'Shannon, are you Michael O'Shannon? Yes, Michael said as he turned around to look up at a, the eyes of a policeman. He was a large man and he swung his billy cat club as he spoke. Michael sized him up, wondering if he could take him. He, he quickly threw that thought away and relaxed. How can I help you? You need to come with me. Why? Because I say you do. Michael took another look at the man and decided he might win a fight, but it wouldn't be worth the effort. Okay, I'll come, Michael said. 
Sorry, I gotta go, he said to Toby, who had returned. Toby looked at the policeman and then back at Michael and just nodded. Michael got up out of the dock and followed the cop to the paddy wagon. The black wagon was large and had no windows except for a small one in the back and two splits on up high on each side. He stood behind the wagon waiting for the cop to open it. His mind racing trying to figure out what he was in trouble for. Had someone seen him beat the kid up or was it something else? He had learned long ago that the law could rescue any reason they wanted to and they had many reasons. What are you doing? The cop said jerking Michael from his thoughts. Come on, I don't have all day, as he led Michael to the front of the wagon. Michael finally realized he wasn't being arrested, which just made him more confused. As they drove along in silence, Michael's mind raced again, finally pulled round to the back of a large building. Michael followed the cop into the building and down a long hallway. Michael was overwhelmed by its size. All of a sudden, he felt very small. Wait here, the cop said as they stopped in front of a large door. Michael waited as the cop went inside the room. On the wall outside the room were gallery of policemen's names. He looked at the gallery and was he was able to read enough to know that these men who had that these were men who had died in the line of duty. Come in, said the cop. Michael followed him into a large room. Behind a large, ornate wooden desk was a large man who was busy writing something. He had a bald spot on top of his head, and his remaining hair was gray with white speckles. When he looked up, he had a large handlebar mustache, which hung down below his mouth. His eyes were hazel and piercing. Michael observed that his nose was crooked, and there was a scar underneath his left eye. Clearly, in his younger days, he had been a fighter. He was past his prime, but Michael guessed that he could still handle himself in a scrap. Sit down, was all the man said as he pointed to the chair that had been placed in front of the desk, and he went back to writing. Michael sat down and looked around the room. It was large enough that two families could have lived in it comfortably. On the wall, there were several portraits of men, who Michael soon were this man's predecessor. The names under all of them were clearly English and Protestant. Michael felt right at home, but not in a good way. Time passed slowly as his mind raced with all sorts of thoughts and fears. You're Michael Shannon. Yes, Michael said. Do you know a Mr. Cole? Michael hesitated for a moment and then said yes. He realized that the gentleman he was talking to already knew the answer, and to deny it would be fruitless. The side door opened and a young man walked in. It took Michael a second, but he then recognized him as the kid he had beaten up and on the behalf of Mr. Cole. This is my son George. Michael winced and he was sure his face had gone completely white. My son learned a valuable lesson a while back. Isn't that right, son? Yes, father, the young man said. Michael kept his eye on the man behind the desk, but he could feel the young man staring at him. The young man left the room, and the old man looked up at Michael. I'm sure you're wondering why you're here. Yes, sir, I am, Michael said with as much confidence as he could muster, although his stomach was turning like a beer bill on a downhill ride. I need some eyes in the south end. I can't send one of my people in it. It's too dangerous. Michael nodded instantly in agreement. So you agree with me? 
Yes, no offense, but they stick out like a sore thumb. Anyone over the age of five can recognize them. Why is that? Well, sir, part of my bluntness, but they're too English. They act as if they own everything they see. The old man nodded. I agree with you, and I appreciate your bluntness. Michael knew that the old man appreciated his bluntness only because he agreed with him. He doubted he would appreciate Michael's bluntness if the opposite were true. I've decided that I need a person who lives there as my eyes, and I've chosen you. Do you agree to be my eyes and ears, Michael O'Shannon? As he glanced toward the door the young man had left from. It was at that point that Michael had, knew he had no choice. Yes, sir, I'll do it. Good. I knew you would make the right decision. For now, I just want you to go home and keep your eyes and ears open. Someone will contact you later with further instructions.